Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the award-winning movie, Poor Things, starring Emma Stone, Mark Ruffalo, and Willem Dafoe. Check out the new documentary, Freaknik, The Wildest Party Never Told, about the iconic Atlanta street party. And don't miss FX's Shogun, a reimagining of the epic tale starring Anna Sawai. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu. We would like to take this opportunity to acknowledge the traditional custodians of the land this podcast is being recorded on, the Shumash, Keech, and Tongva people. And pay our respects to the elders, both past, present, and emerging. Salud or Dali, through a great party, we all drank Bacardi, it got kind of gnarly. We're light as a feather, we're tougher than leather. Together we're weirder, we're weirder together. Weirder together, I'm Ben Lee. And I'm Ioni Sky. And I am in integration mode, baby. It's like, you know, like it feels like I've done, you know, 12 hits of acid. I went to the circus and now I'm in integrating and understanding all the lessons for over the past weekend. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How do you do the integrating? You walk around and let it happen? I, I don't you, know. I, I think it's a mixture of when you've had a big period, you... Uh, you don't... And you, have, you have to give yourself a little space, give a little, you a little time. space. You breathe, you stretch, you are filled with shame over silly things you've said and done. You celebrate joyous moments. In general, you sort of just like revel in the roller coaster ride you just took. Absorb the information. There's a lot of information. This was a, we just had a big weekend. Yeah. Pretty crazy, right? I know. It was kind of amazing. <laughs> it was totally amazing. So the... The yin and the yang. What's the yin and the yang? Well, Me the, and you. I guess, well, what's the yin and the yang? I mean, there's the the beauty and pain of it all. Yeah. Of having big experiences. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, when I first started coming to LA, like as a place I was considering living, which was probably around... 2002 or something like that. Australians were a pretty tight-knit group. Artistic Australians. I remember that. I remember there was like one go-to guy that the actors, they're like, there's a yeah, Barbie right. at, you probably know his name, I, so-and-so's house. I've and forgotten like, that guy's name. It was like, it was like Dazza or something. Yeah, it was like, like a classic like, Aussie oh, guy. Oh, you're in town Wa- for War- the- Wazza. Wa- Warren Wazza, I think. Yeah, uh, for pilot season. And what would they say? Uh, all the Aussies at the title? have a shot at the title. Title yeah. shot. Yeah, They'd and- come in, they'd go to Wazza's. And everyone, would, uh, yeah, and everyone <laughs> would sort of hang together and support each other. I think the thing that people don't realize about Australia is, you know, it's a relatively small country. And if you're in the creative community, it's really small. It's a community. Like if you're in it for any length of time, you get to know every musician, every actor. I know. It's when just we did our variety show, Weirder Together in Australia, it was like five musicians, five comedians. And anytime we did it, they all knew each other. But when you guys come out with a bang, you come out the Bee Gees, you know, Olivia Newton-John, Russell Crowe, Kate Blanchett, like you really come out with a bang. Look, we've we've had some shots at the title and we've won. We've I won mean, some so title now, bouts. So I think what happened was people were like all of a sudden Australian actors were kind of, it used to be English actors Americans were gagging over and English writers. I don't know. It became a lot of Australians. I think actually it was much harder for Aussies to get over here. Because they had it, to get in a boat. Yeah, post, post air travel. Um, but I still think it was just sort of more of a exotic experience. And in recent years, post-internet, you know, like before before the internet was really thriving, the, wor- the world was 
much bigger. Everything felt further away. And bands didn't get to tour America from Australia. It wasn't an assumed thing. Right. But now it's, you know, so as a result, I think some of the community aspect has dissipated. It's not like, you know, when I remember when it was like Heath Ledger, Rose Byrne, Missy Higgins, Sarah Blasco, like all the Aussies that were over in LA would always hang together. And so... I found that really comforting because I think it's like LA can be quite a lonely place and quite isolating. And so I try and like be a good host to fellow creative Australians when they're over here and just try and like make sure they've got a few phone numbers because maybe they're making an album, maybe they're making a movie, maybe they're pitching something. And if the only people you know are through business, it's not really people you can go like, hey, do you want to go have a beer tonight? Or and if you're so, in a city, you know, I've said it before, I'll say it again. Do, say it say it one more time. because LA don't know what is, it is a grower, no. not a shower. That's true. But if, say, an Aussie goes to New York, you're like, walk out of wherever you're staying and you can, you know, not even have a plan and stumble across something, a place to have whatever, a coffee, a park, a it museum. It unfolds before you easily, right? Yeah, yeah, LA is, you sort of don't know what you're looking at. So all of that being said, all of that is context for describing what we did on Friday night, which was we threw a total rager for the iconic Australian band Amel and the Sniffers, who me and Amy met through Georgia Mac in Melbourne in 2021. I did a gig and she brought Amy to the show and it was amazing because I was playing pretty much an acoustic show and Amy danced up the back the whole time and I just saw her little peroxided head like bouncing up and down and and we became mates and and Kate my kid of course cooler than cool she knew who they were yeah and she was I wasn't there because I was working I was in Sydney or something working and you guys came back from Melbourne and Kate was like I danced with with Amy from Emma and the Sniffers (laughs) And so it's so fun. so we were talking about when they were coming back over here to do a gig, which we went to the other night. I went to um, and it was it was so cool. One of my favorite things about the show was they played this blistering punk show, and then no encores, just as it should be done. You know, absolutely scorched earth policy, just destroy the audience. And then the light, house lights came on, and bluegrass music started playing, and like a thousand kind of chic dirty punks just started square dancing and dose doing around the venue which is amazing but anyway so we threw a great party for we them hosted we hosted and we just wanted to um just introduce them to some people and get there's so many people have heard the band and love them oh yeah we at this them. party anyone who found out that they were coming it was like we're crashing our party because they were so excited to meet them. Yeah, it was amazing. And then we, so our friend Josh Madden, who's Joel and Benji Madden's brother from Good Charlotte, and he's a, he's like the the secret weapon of that whole enterprise. He's like, he's the one who kind of like really keeps his finger on the pulse of culture. Tasteful bloke. Tasteful bloke. He texted me, he said, you know, my friend Scott from Fresh Brothers Pizza loves the band and he wants to donate 15 pizzas to this party. Saved us like, a little yeah. money. Hell yeah. Saved us some money. We got those free pizzas. So shout out to Fresh Brothers. And then it was just an awesome, awesome night. I mean. Unreal. My mom who was is like, she's just so cool that, so they had, they played a secret show. Well, okay, so in we our could- living room. And my mom is front and center because she's just, she never heard of the band, but she can tell, anyone can tell 
that these guys, that Amy is a star. Like Your mum saw off- Hendrix play at the whiskey. I feel like her barometer for what the real deal is. She is knows the good. real deal. My mom has been there and she authentically knows the real deal. So so yeah, everyone was just having fun and hanging out and drinking and there was Nick Zinner from the AS and Reggie Watts and Beck and Brian from Silver Sun Pickups. I was so excited. Mary How Lattimore is... and uh, Jason Wallen, a friend of the pod, our most yeah. recent guest, came with his He had fun? Life. Did he have fun? Absolutely. Yeah, he had a great time. But so I did have a secret plan the whole time because yeah, we've got I the didn't studio know this was and the jam Because <laughs> they're punk. And I thought, we've had jams, but we had like Zoe Deschanel singing Christmas yeah, yeah, yeah. songs and really cool jams. But I did not, I was not a believer you could pull this off. You know, when people, when, when people ask about my creativity and I say I've got a strategic side to my mind, it's hard to this is a this is a prime example of how it works. So I had a vision. I was like, I want the band to play a few songs. Let's see if we can make it happen. So I waited till just the right moment. Everyone was in the best mood. And then, you know, I said to Amy, You wanna what are, what are we gonna do? Play some music? You wanna play some songs? And she was like, Yeah, let's do it. So she tries and get the band all into it. And everyone is on board except Gus, the bass player. Because I don't want to get into it, but he's been off in a corner with Reggie Watts. He's not in the shape where he feels he can deliver <laughs> uh-huh. his best performance. It's okay. not going to happen to yeah. him. So, so he's like, well, what? Is there going to be a bucket passed around? I was like, okay, how much is it going to take? How much would you need to be in that bucket for you to do a three-sug set? And so we're, we're entering negotiations. This is the negotiation stage of an iconic evening. And basically he was like, nah, can't do it, can't do it. So... So Amy's like, ask Nick Zinner if he'll do it, if he'll play bass. Because their songs are like, you know, they're 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 not complicated. And Nick was quarterly. in Nick is the in yeah, the Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, and played bass. Well, they don't well, have he, a bass, they have just guitar drums okay. and Karen, but he can play he bass. He can do it. Musical. But, so I went over to Nick and I said, dude, congratulations. So you got the yeah, yeah, yeahs and Amy on the sniffers. No, no, together. but the, no, no, it didn't happen though. No, oh, no, no, wait, wait, okay, you're okay, jumping sorry, ahead. You're sorry. Jumping ahead. <laughs> I'm so in this. I'm trying to take you. You were there and you I don't know, understand how I'm, So I'm going with so, this story. So I go over to Nick Zina and I'm like, dude, congratulations. You're the new bass player in Amel and the Sniffers. And he said, I'd love to, but I actually can't play guitar. I've got a blood clot that I'm healing from in my hand and I'm not allowed to play guitar. I'd love to do it. I was like, oh man, what are we going to do? So, you know, we're looking around. I, I know I'm, I'm not in the right sort of space to do it. I'm hosting a party and I'm sort of like, I'm concentrating. You know, so someone says, Kevin Tyler Preston is here. Now, Kevin is like an auxiliary member of Green Day. So he can play all kinds of instruments. Oh. He's a touring member of that band. And so I went up to him and I was like, what do you say? You want to do this? You want to join Amel and the Sniffers tonight? And he's like, yeah, I'll do it. So everyone went into the studio. I went outside. I was like, guys, nobody, you, you don't want to miss this. You don't want to miss this. And... They went in, Kevin learned three songs on the spot, and it was sick, It mate. was sick. It, it was, was sick. Ah, oh, it was so fun. Yeah, what was your perspective on it? I was just in heaven. I mean, I just thought it was so, you know, it was just like authentic and just fantastic. It was just exciting. It was fun. The whole party was very kind of loving it had the tone and the vibe of the whole party was very it it, there was no like spiky parts or i don't know it was just funny the whole night felt very nice i think part of it is that because we've been throwing great parties we we are on an historic run of great parties at the moment and look, all good things come to an end, so I don't expect it to last forever, but we're on a great, we're on a we're, great we're little We're aware run. of this golden moment. We're in a golden moment. So people come then. 
we, and in, it could fade. It yes, could fade. Yes. We can just become isolated. Yes, again. we could. We could. We could. We, we could, could start going to other parties. We and could not die. Our we own could. We could die very, on a roller coaster at Six Flags. It could come off the. We, anything could happen. But right now we're in a zone. It's happening, and there was like our regular kind of crew of like Sam Fragosa, Andy, Pally, DJ Free. We, we just set the stage. Yep. And, and people um, are liking it. And it was so amazing because Amy, like anyone that hasn't seen Amal and the Stiffers, I urge you to look up. I love the, the video they did for their song, Guided by Angels, is amazing. But look up some live footage. She is like a shamanic performer in the lineage of Iggy Pop, um, Elvis. She's like one of Andy Warhol's superstars. She, she just has pure spirit. star quality. Yeah. And uh, and she didn't, you know, in that kind of setting, when you're in someone's, when you're used to playing, you know, 2000 and up venues, there is a scenario where a lesser, in a way, like less authentic performer might sort of phone it in and just do something. Just I know. For like, well, this is true she gave punk. It 100%, it's true punk man. because it's so real. Like punkness is realness. And... Punkness it, is realness, baby. That should be the snap, episode title. Snap, snap, snap. snap. <laughs> I like that snap, snap, snap. Yeah, and she just, she totally delivered and everyone was blown away. And then, I don't know, there was other chapters to the night. I mean, that was the real peak. Then at a certain point, Reggie Watts was over on the biomat doing some stretching exercises. There was a very brief, me, Andy, and Beck had a very brief jam that lasted about two minutes before it derailed into something else. But it was... um. Yeah, man, it was just awesome, and I I gotta say, oh, like, and Sam, oh, sorry, I don't want yeah, to no, cut no, you go, off. Yeah, no, no, go for it. Go no, for Sam it. and I, our kid was here, and she and her friend were having a sleepover, and they oh, had a fight. Yeah, right. And Sam Fragosa and I, every twenty minutes, were finding them and trying to keep them. He was my wingman for communicating with thirteen-year-olds. You guys were like teen therapists, and me, we were because yeah. I kept having to find like they were just sort of happy to be watching a movie in Goldie's room, but then they separated, and Goldie was sitting alone in my closet, and her friend was weeping a little on my bed, and so we, he just say, "Okay, come on, let's go in again." And for some reason, he had. The and you magic. went into both. You went into both. I did both? alone yeah. with her friend, but yeah. he was coming with me because he and Goldie already knew each other a yeah. little. So he was sort of helping me with that. So that was a funny thing that was happening. But I was able to contain any mother's worries because I was I was looking after my kid, but I was able to like have an amazing time at the party and not normally I would get derailed by something like that and be kind of bummed at my own party. Like, oh, of course my kid is in a bad mood at my party. But I was able to kind of take care of her and then have fun as well. Totally. I'm was, amazing. You are amazing. You are amazing. And the main thing I sort of like was left with was, yes, it was this incredible kind of glamorous rock and roll evening, but it the band really appreciated it. Like they really don't know many people. They've just, it was the second time coming to LA to play. This is a place they're going to come back to a lot of times. And it was just really nice to welcome them. And, you know, yeah. we've talked about this so much, but I just think part of the fun of, taking a journey is then just like easing the road ahead for others who are coming up it if you've already walked it and it was just so so nice to like i think they left feeling a little more at home and it's mutually LA. beneficial because we're getting all this oh we got the juice baby oh man we're like vampires. we got the good vibes we're yeah. sucking that young blood yeah 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 the young blood good vibe vampires <laughs> 
Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. We're having a very beautiful experience watching i had we weren't watching the warhol documentary when it came out oh, the andy warhol diaries on netflix Warhola. ryan murphy warhola is his real last name true yeah. polish right uh czech czech i always thought polish but i think czech is walking but um yes because we thought oh ai voice that threw us off like the, the, his voice is sort of they took all of his words that he said and put it together and did a voice but that's but ryan murphy so i started watching it one insomniac night of mine and i just started being so blown away by it and i thought we should watch this because sometimes we we read something together or read to each other and and watch really great things sometimes in between all the reality tv we watch but this we've been watching together and it's been we just finished it this morning no, it's such yesterday. an amazing show i mean i read the andy warhol diaries when i was about 19 years old and they did change my life. Like when I look at the life I now lead and what my values are or what I find exciting, a lot of them was from the way that Andy Warhol looked at his career and his social life as a work of art. And I think I really took that with me and said, wow, you can craft a world in which it's almost like you're painting on a canvas the way you're social life moves and your collaborations and stuff so but this show is gorgeous and sad and inspiring and heartbreaking and the and, soundtrack is so great yeah i forget the guy's name is it like oberhofer or something you can find but it on spotify he's an la songwriter yeah people nick yeah. zinner knew him he's um he did a gorgeous job with the soundtrack but i really recommend people watching that and so then saturday night we uh we popped into may martin's housewarming party and we had a very fun experience with two cowboys yeah who um who, where were they from and oklahoma city like i feel I, I it actually... was a very cowboy night i got her this book called hollywood cowboy that paul jasmine it's actually the book i've had forever of his and but I'm it wasn't find... a re, it wasn't a re-gift in the no, sense of like it was like... actually giving something that's dear to your heart oh i can't yeah. tell you how often i've looked and it's all paul jasmine's friend group lisa love and you know, Robert Schwartzman and Gia Coppola and Sophia and all our mutual Paul Fortune. We had this whole group. So the book has a lot of, it's very LA and she moved to LA. And so there's a lot of, you know, pictures at the Chateau Marmont and beautiful homes in LA. And Paul Jasmine's friend, Bruce Weber, they're a little similar in style, very beautiful, you know, beautiful black and whites. But, uh, it felt kind of fitting and we gave May the book and she said, that's so funny. I, a cowboy th theme is happening. I just, something had just happened. And then 
walks in in walks this handsome young cowboy who looks like he's from the Paul Jasmine like a book. white singlet top and a cowboy hat he's like gorgeous <laughs> Bruce Weber style dude and we immediately get locked outside on the balcony he's showing us the view we kind of follow he and his funny friend around this party and we got accidentally locked out which is sort of fun but the funniest moment is we then saw him sitting looking quite forlorn by himself at the end of a table and we were like wow what's going on he was like such an outgoing happy dude and he looks so sad now. And then next thing, his friend was back with him and he was laughing and smiling. And we were like, wow, he was just sad. He'd lost his friend. He was separate. But then we realized he was watching a UFC fight on his phone. So Yeah, was, we didn't see yeah, the yeah, phone yeah. and he just looked like he was con- <laughs> He was concentrating. He'd gone from really outgoing to just this full on And I thought presence. his friend left and now he's sad. <laughs> and then we went afterwards to the Director's Bureau Valentine's Party, which is the first time we've been to that party. But it's a bit of an iconic LA annual thing. I, I want to go every year. Chris Chang invited us and it was awesome. We saw Lem J. We had a long we talk in, in a hallway. Money Mark is just the best. We were dancing a little to one song. It was very quick because we were very tired. Well, we walk in and there was an Elvis. Someone was like, oh, Elvis yeah. is on. Oh, Let's yeah. <laughs> we walk in and someone said, You better hurry. Elvis is about to sing. And I start running because you're a huge Elvis Costello well I thought it was Elvis Costello and I'm walk running down the hall and I'm kind of confused because people are sort of casually going in and out of this room and even leaving the room and I'm like what the fuck in my mind I'm like wait did is Elvis Costello not like interesting because these people are so hip that they've maybe seen him so many times or they don't care or isn't he like wouldn't he always be a hot ticket to see? Like safe to say, you know. Except, the- except, uh, call back to episode four. He is dead. No, what are you saying? Don't you remember that episode where? No. Oh, I okay, never mind. Okay, so no, but anyway, and I, my mind, you know, when something's happening, and my your mind is racing to make a story out of it. Like, why would people be leaving? Maybe it's the end. But I was thinking, like, if he's just still on this, because I heard someone singing. I was like, but if he's still on the stage, why would anyone be leaving? And then it was an Elvis impersonator. Suffice to say, there was a momentary disappointment. Difference. Yeah. Big difference. Different. I chatted to someone who is a death doula, which is something that I've, I did a little study in hospice volunteering. And she, it was cute because she said there's, it was a Valentine's party. So she, she thought someone was attractive. So the guy kind of behind me and I said, how are you going to do this? Like, how do you pick up someone? Because we're both, you know, this is, it's not like at a wild club with bottle service and everyone could grind on a dance floor and that's how you go home with someone or something we're at a very like adult party i was like what's your move and she said i think i'll have my friend introduce us and i was like oh okay so i was like really invested in this we, story. we never saw it happen though no we? yeah you talked to some very oh. tall people oh you <laughs> I took. I couldn't ch- find you. You were behind all these tall people. Well, famously tall. That's Jason Stewart, DJ Them Jeans from the uh, How Long Gone podcast. And funnily enough, I've only just reconnected with him. I knew him from back in the day when it was him, Frankie Chan, and Steve Aoki were. This was the Kuenga. This was right when we reconnected Star before shoes. we started dating. Yes, in a space that era, beauty bar. And um, but he's now you know a kind of a famous podcaster, uh, which is you know what where all where all creatives from the nineties go to die. We all go to become podcasters. But, Here we are. But yeah, him and his wife Carolyn were really or partner Carolyn. I'm assuming wife. That's so heteronormative. Uh, but but yeah, it was really kind of interesting to hear a little bit more of the dirt on how that whole 
Because that was a really interesting period that we were talking the other night to Nick Zinner about, about when indie rockers started dancing. And that was oh, when, yes. it was like when Hey Ya came out and right. Float On. It was right when I was making Awake Is The New Sleep. There were all of these clubs where like just indie kids would go and dance. And it was so fun. And it was like, I mean, it was all connected to LCD sound system happening in New York, but it was basically like, it, it was suddenly okay to dance, whereas before it was just head bobbing and moshing and stuff. I know. I remember that so well that, of course, it was a big dancing, you know, there was like in the 80s, everyone was dancing. And then there were like raves and kind of things happening, like right. tunnel and those clubs in New York. Yes, stuff, but yeah. then it's true. I had forgotten about that period where people weren't really dancing a lot on the dance floor. And so you're saying, hey, yeah, was the sort of the crossover hit. Well, the reason I remember that, that was I was actually in Lawrence, Kansas on tour. Made people dance again. Yeah, and I was at a party. It was a bunch of college kids. And it was after our show, there were some kids through a party. And they played Hey uh, five times in a row. Every time it ended, someone just put it back to the beginning. Everyone's like, hey! Like, it was so fun. And anyway, so it was just really interesting. And one of the things that I was talking to his partner, Carolyn, about, just we were talking about some people we know. And we were talking about... I, I coined a phrase, the great humbling, about how the people I like that I want to have deep friendships with now are people that in one way or another have experienced a great humbling. Because it's almost like it's so fun and sexy when people are young before they've got one single dent in their armor. But there's something that I'm really attracted to in humans now. People that have like taken some punches and have continued on and almost like there's a grace or an elegance or something that comes with having had a real fall or two, yeah, a really great humbling. Paul Newman elegance. But who hasn't had a great humbling? Oh, look, anyone if you stay, stay around long enough. But the other thing you can do is... Uh, you know, like cognitive dissonance, you can tell yourself stories oh, right. that prevent you, can, you. You can be the emperor's new clothes. Like you could be in a fantasy world. And there's tons of people like you that. You can get like yeah. ass kissers all around you. You can get or isolate. Well, or, or you, you can, or you be can become bitter and believe that nothing was your fault. Right, so in that right. way, you so never become who, humble. Yeah, people who really exp let themselves kind of experience all of it. Because and, then they get a sense of humor. And yeah. I think that's when like friendships become fun when people actually have a sense of humor about themselves too. And it's not so Yeah, serious. for sure. What did you learn about Warhol that you didn't know already? I guess because I'd read the Warhol diaries, there wasn't much revealed about his, the information from his perspective I was familiar with, but hearing the sort of conflicts between various people around like I found that really interesting that there was one of his lovers that he set up another room for him at the house and told everybody that that was Jed's room but actually Jed was sleeping in his room and how it was still even for Andy Warhol it was like socially unacceptable for him to be an out queer man and the fact that there were sort of these quite elaborate subterfuges or whatever they're called of ways of deflecting from his sexuality was really interesting to me because I actually always saw him as quite overtly gay so it was interesting that even within his psychology there was still a lot of shame and I guess Catholic guilt yeah that was that was pretty interesting what about you yeah I guess that he I don't know I guess it's like now in hindsight it all makes sense that he seemed sensitive and that he would get hurt 
easily and but he kept coming back you know to he you know he kept kind of shaking himself off and coming back even if he got hurt by the art you know world or by or like love Basquiat, or yeah. by anything by critics or he just kept you know he would keep coming back and trying to connect and be involved in life i think he was very you know everyone could kind of sense a loneliness and also just the kind of the the sort of leader of some sort of cult I didn't really. Yeah, he put had that, some cult leader. He had a cult qualities, cult leader yeah. qualities. I didn't. John really... Waters was really onto that. Yeah, I mean, I learned how I love John Waters always, and he's amazing. Always, even more. One of the things that I we were talking about how Warhol is complaining near the end of the diaries that his stock, sort of in show business, isn't as high as he wants it to be. Like they made Miles Davis this sort of couture coat, and he just got thrown in something for this fashion show, but. There was, you know, a lot of people said Andy Warhol would go to the opening of an envelope, and in that way, his presence wasn't seen at the time as special as it probably should have been, because he was so out there. But in a way, that was his genuine enthusiasm. Yeah. He wanted to be in the mix. He wanted to be in the it. city. He wanted to be in culture. So He it, loved people. And it's a sad idea that in order to lift his stock... He needed to restrain himself possibly and not be authentic. But the proof, I mean, that things happened when he died and his paintings, all of a sudden people could see the body of work in hindsight. I mean, of course, he did well in his life, but the proof is in the pudding. I mean, this amount of incredible series that he did. Um, and they were all oh, at the end with the, the last quite supper, different. Well, ones, that probably. series and... I mean, oh, every, all the, various series. All the yeah, yeah. series, just the the amount of work and how absolutely excellent almost every single series was. I, I mean, I think they all were, but I it just was, you know, I don't know, that, that funny thing when someone dies, then you can kind of see how incredible the whole story is. Yeah, and how great the work is. I was also so moved. This is something I've always been moved by, uh, by Andy Warhol, that Obviously, there's various talks of, was it exploitative? He, he he would gather freaks around him and utilize them for his work that ultimately he would benefit from financially or whatever. So there, there's moral questions around that. But he did always want to create a home for freaks. Right. He did always want to have open arms. And I think people felt very accepted in that way. And that's yeah. something that really, like, always really touched me I mean he him. could have paid Candy Darling some more and also the um, sex workers who were transgender or the drag queen oh, sex yeah, yeah, workers yeah, yeah. no there was a black tra- transgender series of women that that they felt there was some degree of they were being there was, paid $50 or $100 yeah, for and a Yeah, the, and shoot, then each or, yeah. painting was... I mean, that's an interesting idea. Each painting sold at the time, maybe 50000 which now, I mean... But yeah, sort of that kind of idea that now I think... Well, I think models. Now, it's interesting, a subject of a piece of work versus being a model. Well, I think in general now, like post-Me Too, there is more thought put into the ethics of a process. Uh, I think the way you treat people on set in a studio in like 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 being a leader or a business person with kindness and ethics yeah. I mean, is I think more he valued was than kind. it was i think he yeah. was like you said created a, in some ways probably did create a a wonderful atmosphere 
Um, but yeah, it's very complicated. We can go on and on and on. There have been many talks about Andy Warhol. I'm excited about uh, on the Weirder Together podcast network, on our network, there's a great pod we put out that they do two episodes a week, Roy Impressions by Lou Barlow and Adele Barlow. Yes. That's Lou who's in Sebado and Dinosaur Junior and his wife. And they they do they make a beautiful podcast. I and highly he just, recommend he's it. He's so good. I'm getting so into his music that I wasn't that familiar with. And he wrote this song on one of their last pods and he plays songs for his wife sometimes. And she's very honest. Sometimes she's just like, oh, that's amazing. Sometimes she's like, yeah, that's really good. And, not, you know, but he played one that was, he didn't even think it was that great. And it's stunning. And like they both start crying. She <laughs> was crying and he was like, what do you mean? And she's like, "That I'm just, I, that's such an amazing song. Oh my gosh. And then he, he was like, oh, wow. Okay. I didn't even know. But it's very romantic that he, he kind of like, he's like, this one's for you. And then she's like, wait, okay, let me read. Can I hear the lyrics again? <laughs> and it's just like stunning. It's so good. And they're, so they're coming to town this week. So we're oh. going to see them later in the week. And um, and they're coming to town and then Lou's playing a couple shows. So people should check that out if they're in LA. I think we're going to go to the Highland Park one. But, uh, but yeah, check out Roy Impressions The East Side podcast. is so fun in LA. It's happening, we baby. We just went to a friend's house. It was like being in Greece. It's in this neighborhood, Frogtown, that's called that because sometimes the river would get high and there'd be frogs. And it was like, not Nowheresville. It was always, but she just, it's like out of nowhere, you walk into this house and it's very humble. It's not like over the top. It fits in with the neighborhood. But wasn't it like being in Greece? It was like. It was beautiful. I wanted some spanakopita. Mm, I'm hungry. And some, what's that, ouzo? Oh, yeah. Well, we would pass out. That's strong. <laughs> we were talking about Steve Aoki, and I was thinking of Devin, his beautiful sister. And then I was remembering Benihana. Their father started Benihana. And in my mind, I was so curious about the menu, because I know it's very commercial successful. Oh, she so went on a Benihana deep dive? So I just opened up the menu, because I was like, in my mind, I thought they almost made it so American there would be no sushi or nothing Japanese. But it's clever. It's very, everything is... Japanese-ish, but it is Japanese. But is this, it's making is this me hungry. Content for Benihana. <laughs> no, they need more sponsored. Yeah, no, yeah, but yeah. it's it's making me hungry now. When you talk about Spanikobita and Uzo, all right. I can't well, wait let's, for uh, lunch. We're not going out Valentine's Day, are we? I mean, I was thinking we've we got would a few. Go. We've got a few offers. I on wrote the to horses oh, where yeah, I un under tipped, yeah. and they wrote back and they said we are not open on Tuesday or whenever Valentine's Day is. But they were nice. That's tomorrow. Valentine's or today. That's the day this is coming out. Today Val is Valentine's, Valentine's Day. Day. So Valentine's what are Day we episode. doing for Valentine's Day? Um, I don't have too many plans. I just plan to survive parenting a teenager. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> but I feel like we need to wine and dine ourselves. Let's do it. Let's wine been... and dine each other. Ooh. All right. Well, this has been weird together. Happy Valentine's Happy Day. Happy Valentine's Day to all of you, our, our weird, our weird lovers out there. You can email us at weirdertogetherpod at gmail.com. And uh, we'll leave you with a little clip of Amel and the Sniffers playing at our house the other night. Rock on, party people. Beautiful baby party people. Mwah.